I hope people can find joy in what they're doing. I hope people find things that are exciting. I hope people can uh, look at me and, and say like, dude, if that dude with a job and a family and, and, you know, 1.5 cars and like all the same things that, that I'm dealing with can get out and do something like maybe I can do something too. And, and maybe I can, I can set a big goal and maybe I can, uh, find something that excites me and, and motivates me and I'm passionate about and, uh, that I want to chase. And, and then I hope they go out and they do it. That's Michael Wardian. And this is episode 50 of the morning shakeout podcast. It's your host, Mario Fraioli, and welcome back or welcome to the Morning Shakeout Podcast. Thank you so much for listening in to this 50th episode and the 49 that preceded it. I've got another awesome guest for you this week, Michael Wardian. Mike is the exception to almost every racing rule, and for his latest trick, he just broke the Guinness World Record for running 10 marathons in 10 consecutive days, covering 262 miles in 29 hours, 12 minutes, and 46 seconds. That's an average of 255.17 per marathon. Uh, Mike ran the first seven of those 10 marathons on seven different continents as part of the World Marathon Challenge, and he completed the last three around a certified loop near his home in Alexandria, Virginia. Virginia in 250 flat, 248.43, and 244.33. Oh, and he ran the last mile of the last marathon in under six minutes. Uh, the 11th day, he did anything but rest. He raced a 5K with his Visla Rosie in 1701. And perhaps more impressively, he did all of that off of about 20 total hours of sleep in 11 days, which is something that I pressed him on in this conversation. Uh, yeah. You know, Mike, you know, this is just how he rolls. The 44-year-old races around 50 times a year on average, and he's not afraid to line up at a mile on the track or an ultra marathon on the trails. Sometimes he'll do both in the same weekend. He's also set a number of wacky world records, like the fastest 50K ever run on a treadmill, the fastest marathon ever, wearing various costumes, the fastest marathon ever run on an indoor track, and even pushing a baby stroller. And he regularly tackles challenging ultra endeavors, such as the Badwater 135, Marathon Decide, the Hurt 100, just to name a few. Uh, he's also qualified for three Olympic marathon trials. He's won a number of national titles, and he's placed on the podium at numerous world championship events. Mike's a great guy. He's got crazy goals, unmatched ambition, and a big selfless heart. And I was really happy to get him to sit still for 45 minutes so that he could join me on the podcast this week. So let's get right into it with Mike Wardian. I need to shower and put a suit on. I was gonna, I was gonna be like, Mario, I got a suit on for you, but then I had a, <laughs> then I had a runner's world call that I uh, didn't expect, so I, uh, I did not get that done. So I was gonna be like, oh, dude, I'm in a suit, but now I'm not, and I'm not even showered yet. So yeah. All right. Well, let's roll right into it then, Michael Wardian. Welcome to the Morning Shakeout Podcast. Hey, Mario. Thank you guys very much for having me. So we're just a couple of days removed from your 10 marathons in 10 days, seven of those, which were on different continents. And you averaged 255 a marathon. And I'm really curious, how, how does your body feel after putting it through something like that? Dude, it's, uh, it's crazy, but it feels incredible. Like almost 
too good. Like I have been super mindful to kind of remember that um, because I want to do more. And I know that I need to be respectful of like uh, the amount of effort that I put forth because I don't know if you saw also like the week before that or so I did the hurt hundred miler. Right. Um, uh, and that's a pretty tough race. And I was out there for uh, almost 27 hours. So um, I kind of went into the, um, the 777, the world marathon challenge uh, a little depleted. And then, you know, over the course of the challenge, I got a little sick during one of the races and, um, but it was, it was incredible, like what you're capable of, because, uh, you know, throughout the course of the challenge, you're dealing with all these things, but I just felt like I was getting stronger over the, over the 10 days. And by the end, I felt the strongest. And, uh, I ended up actually on the Sunday, uh, running a 5k with, um, Rosie, who we were just talking about offline, but, um, our, our puppy, our Vishla puppy, uh, uh, and, just because I felt so good. So I did like a workout and then a 5k shakeout. Usually after a big hundred miler, I'll do like a really fast mile, but I was like, man, I, I can jump in a 5k and see how it goes. And it, it went incredible. I think I, I think she won the dog division, which was <laughs> awesome. And I think I ended up like ninth overall and uh, a little over 17 minutes. My watch said sub 17, but the yeah, I saw the 1656 was, on Strava that you uploaded. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what my time was, but then the actual time turned into 17:01. So I don't know how that happened, but uh, well, whatever. It's, it's pretty close. No matter how you slice it. But wait, <laughs> you did your 10th marathon in 10 days the day before. You ran 2:44 and then yep. you did a workout and then raced the 5K with Rosie? Yeah. Yeah, so I did like a strength and conditioning workout kind of like okay. a uh flexibility pliability workout with um uh, the guy that trains me, Jesse Fuller here in DC, he's super great at what he does. And so, uh, he put me through the motions, uh, like he took it easy on me cause usually he hammers me pretty hard. Um, but he was nice to me, uh, and I felt pretty good and I was like, oh man, I can jump in the 5k. And so we did. <laughs> There's a lot that I want to pull on there. The first being this proclivity to want to do more that you had just mentioned and you did more after your 10 marathons in 10 days. But where does that come from? That mindset, that desire to push one step further than you already have when you've pushed a lot. Um, that's a good question. I mean, I think, um, growing up, I always have, uh, been taught and I always, had a natural inclination to be competitive and, um, to also, um, kind of seek excellence and, um, not be afraid to fail, I think, um, which has been something like if you set kind of these kind of ridiculous, big, audacious goals that, um, there's, there's a high probability that you're not going to make them all. I mean, it's just the way that it works. If you set a uh, a goal that's, uh, you know, well within your reach. It's not something that, um, for me gets me as excited. And so like, I like to try to, uh, discover kind of what's possible. And, uh, when you get there, uh, it, it's one of the most incredible things, uh, ever, but then I don't know, quickly I'm, 
I'm like, okay, that was cool. What next? And so like, and I don't know about you, but I feel like that's like one of the things that runners always ask you. Like, it could be like two minutes after you finish, like the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. And they'll be like, Hey, that's cool. But like, what's your next race, you know? And I feel like I have a similar mindset, uh, when, uh, setting these kind of things before myself and, and I'll choose a task. And if I do get it, then, uh, you know, quickly, I, I think, well, you know, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. That's kind of what drew me to do the world marathon challenge. Again, I was like, man, I could have really improved this aspect and this aspect. And like, uh, even this, this second time, there were things that, um, I definitely saw that I could have been more efficient with and been better with. And so it's, um, it's for me, the, the willingness to look, look beyond what you just did and say like, Oh, that was great. But you know, what can I do next? So you first did the world marathon challenge two years ago and by all accounts it went well. So what did you do differently this time or what did you want to improve upon heading into this most recent one? Yeah, I did. It went great. I mean, I, I, I set the fastest time and it was actually a time that I didn't, uh, I didn't beat this, this, this second time. Um, there, I think the first time the courses were a little bit different. So, and the routing was a bit different and we had, um, some more time in Antarctica to kind of get, uh, Antarctica to get used to the climate, but also the conditions on the course. Um, so the course in Antarctica this time was, um, a little bit, it was actually a little bit too hot. So I don't know if you saw, there's like a picture of me running in shorts in Antarctica because it was, it was actually like when it was colder here in the U S than it was in Antarctica, there were all those like crazy stories, like, you know, it's negative 78 in Chicago and, um, it was actually colder in DC than, than Antarctica. So, um, yeah, it was wild, but it also made for, you know, kind of really sloppy course because you're kind of running in slush at that point. Um, and you're, it was a little bit of an uphill. And, uh, so there were some things that could have been, you know, a little bit, uh, easier with that situation. Um, so it was, it was interesting to kind of start in the hole from where the first time in 2017, I ran 254 in Antarctica, uh, and this time I ran like 316. So, you know, for me, like 316 is pretty slow. Um, so that was, that was a little bit surprising. So that, that was actually a, a, a pretty cool thing to try to have to overcome is like, you know, you go, you, you've got seven, seven of these things before you and you, you have it not go the way you want on the first one, you know, how do you bounce back from that? And, um, you know, that I think the next day I ran like 253 in Cape Town and there was like a hundred degree swing in temperature, uh, within, you know, we were only in Antarctica for like 11 hours and then on the plane for five hours. And then, uh, we're running within an hour and a half, two hours of landing. So, um, you know, it's a pretty quick turnaround on, on those two races in particular. And, uh, to be able to kind of run, um, that kind of time was, was, something I was really thankful for, especially in like hundred degree heat, um, with Fahrenheit. So it was, I don't know, 35 or something Celsius. Um, so yeah, so that, that's the kind of thing where like I was happy with the way I recovered. And that was something that I thought like I could do better was like sleeping, uh, the second time. Uh, and it actually turned out I did worse, which 
sucked because that was like the one thing I was like, I'm going to do better on the sleeping. Uh, and I did worse, but I felt like I still kind of recovered better. Um, even though my times were a little bit slower, I was, I feel like I was kind of more, um, more excited about how it went this time, just because there were some, you know, it was a different route and it was a little bit, uh, different circumstances on the courses. So like, I think that, you know, we had a lot more climbing this time. There were two courses that, uh, the course in Madrid was on an F1 track, which was freaking amazingly cool. Like, uh, you're kind of running where like, you know, all these like super race cars are, and you can kind of actually like take the tangent based on where like all the skid marks are. You can be like, okay, this is the, this is the best line, <laughs> which was, Oh, it was so cool. Mario. Like, I mean, if you ever get a chance, totally run on an F1 track, like it is really, really cool. The only problem is, is like, I didn't know this, but F1 tracks are actually pretty hilly. So there was like, um, 1800 feet of climbing over the course of the marathon, uh, during that race. So, um, and it was, it was pretty cold. It was like in the low thirties and a little bit windy. So we were dealing with those conditions, um, outside Madrid. And then, uh, we flew like 18 hours to Santiago and we ran in this little park and that, and that course had this little kicker climb every time. Uh, it was just in this little park. So it was really windy. You'd like go past these like statues and stuff. And then you had like a 50 foot kicker climb. And that course, uh, was like, I think 14 laps or something. And it had about 1100 feet of elevation gain over the course of the marathon. Uh, and then I had caught a bug. So I got to visit the bathroom a couple of times. So like, <laughs> awesome. uh, yeah, it was pretty rad. Uh, yeah. So anyhow, yeah. So like dealing with, uh, with those kind of complications, like I, I was really proud with how it went and then being able to kick that the next day. Um, you know, I, I, I had the illness and then, uh, I ran my fastest time of the seven in, uh, Miami. I think I ran two, two fifty two or I'm sorry, two, I don't know. So a low two fifties, uh, and then, uh, was able to kind of improve on each of those once I got back home and was able to get on like a, like a, a little bit quicker course, I think. So let me jump in there. When did the idea to tack on the additional three marathons and go for the Guinness world record of 10 marathons in 10 days come into your mind? Had you had that there from the outset or was it something that you thought up somewhere along the way? No, that's a good question. I actually thought about it in 2017, um, but the race ended in Australia uh, then. And so I thought like, oh, maybe I can just do the same course we did in Australia, like for three more days. But um, you you know the race, the Tarawara 100K mm -hmm. um, in New Zealand. I was scheduled to do that the week after the 777 in 2017. And my wife, Jennifer, was like, I don't want to fly there with our kids by ourselves uh, by, by herself. And so, uh, I flew home from Australia on like a Tuesday, got home, I think like early Wednesday because of the time change, uh, got back on the plane with Jennifer and the boys on Friday and then flew to New Zealand. Um, so I flew all the way home to fly all the way back. Um, so I didn't have a time chance to do it then. And I thought, well, if I ever get a chance to do uh, the seven marathons and seven continents in seven days, the world marathon challenge again, uh, or something similar, like I would totally want to tack it on. So before I left for, 
777. Uh, this time I reached out to uh, my friend Chris Farley at Pacers here. He's uh, got a bunch of local running stores in the D.C. area, and they also have a uh, events company. And I said he had done um, a marathon. He's uh, run sub three hours in the marathon for like 20 years or something, and he missed it um, last year or the year before. And so he did one like kind of last minute at Haynes Point. So I knew there was a certified course. Uh, so I was like, hey, you think I could jump jump in uh, into that course that you had set up? And he's like, sure, that sounds cool, man. Just let me know. And so then um, I didn't know exactly what time we were going to do it because I wasn't sure when the World Marathon Challenge was going to end because, you know, if you get delayed somewhere, it kind of bumps the times. Um, but I was hoping to be able to do three when I got home and that's actually how it ended up working out. So I kind of set it up ahead of time, but it was kind of loose. So like if we got, you know, too late in, um, Miami, I was just going to do the same course in Miami again and then just do two at home. But I had enough time, like we actually missed our flight. So we got to pay the penalty for that, which was awesome. Thank you very much, American airlines. But, um, but we got on a, a flight out early the next morning and I had plenty of time to, to do it before the clock. Basically you have to finish. It's like 168 hours for the seven days. And then you basically just have to stay 24 hours ahead of that. So I had to finish my marathon before eight 30 the next, the next day. Right. So, so like, I had a little bit of wiggle room there. Yeah. So I had a little wiggle room. Um, and so I actually, the first day it was kind of a, a tough one because I flew home uh, at like six 30 in the morning, I had slept like two hours, not even actually, I slept like an hour and a half that night. Cause we finished at like midnight and we had a 6am flight. And, uh, by the time I was done with like pictures and everything, it was like two 30 and then we got up at three 30. So, and yeah, it was just a bit of a disaster getting home. Well, let's pull on uh, that a little bit more of the sleep aspect yeah. of it. Cause you had mentioned how this time around for the world marathon challenge, you actually slept less than the first time around. I think I'd read you slept a total of 20 ish hours over the course of 10 days. And I know from previous interviews I've done with you that you're a notoriously bad sleeper. I think last time we sat yeah. down for a conversation, you told me if I get four hours, you're pretty good. And like four yeah. hours straight is a really good night for you. So I'm wondering, yeah. obviously you're able to still function off of that, but does it ever worry you down the road that the slack of sleep will catch up with you? Because everything that we read in the research and whatnot says sleep is where your body repairs itself and where you can bounce back the next day. And you seem to have defied that at least to this point. Yeah, exactly. And it's something I, I, I am so cognizant of and I, and I'm trying to improve, you know, with like, you know, meditation and like getting in the right mojo and like turning your phone off and like trying to take it out of your room. But like, I'm so active on all that stuff. Like it's, I'm just like most people, like it's hard to like kick those habits. And so, um, it's, it's something like, I know that's a, that I need to address and it's something that, you know, it hasn't had uh negative or two, well, who knows, but it hasn't seemed like it's had too many negative impact or, or implications so far, but it's something like, you know, if there's something like, you know, you want to make a new year's resolution, that's definitely high on my list of like things that I, I know that I need to kind of improve and I'm kind of working towards it. Um, but it's, it's something that definitely is uh, high on the list of priorities. 
Have you always had a hard time shutting off? Yeah. But I think I think that I think that goes also with like uh, uh, for me it's it's like I I want to I have like FOMO maybe or something like I uh, I I, I want to kind of be involved in as many things as I can and honor all the obligations that I uh, take on for myself and um, something that you know is is important to me is you know kind of fulfilling everything that I've signed up for and. For me, that's like, you know, I, I work full time uh, as an international shipbroker. We have, you know, two boys that are pretty active, got a dog. We've got, you know, all the stuff that goes with like having a house and uh, and then, you know, being a professional athlete and and all that entails. And so, um, you know, there's there's a lot on your plate, but, you know, people people deal with that and, and have much more stressful things than I have. So just something that you know that that i'm feel pretty privileged to be able to to do those things and and i want to do them as well as i can and if that means you know i have to you know sacrifice a little sleep to be able to get things done then i will but it's something like i'm trying to be better of and i I try to really be cognizant of and um it's something that you know i'm um, i'm i'm working towards it's uh it's it's but i'm also like it, it, it's almost like you're running, you know, you, you, you need enough, but I don't, you don't want to, you don't want to, I don't need, I, I want to try to find out like how much I can, like, I know four hours, I'm pretty good. Um, but like, would I be, you know, 10 X better if I slept eight hours? I don't know. Like that's like sometimes like, so I'm trying to play with those, um, margins and see like just how much I can get away with. But, um, but where's that sweet spot and like, where's the best place to be. And, um, that's something like, you know, hopefully with the technology, the way it is, like my polar is nice enough to tell me like, Hey, you suck at sleeping. Like you should, <laughs> you, you should be, you should be better at this. Like I actually looked at some of the days. It was just like no sleep. I was like, no, I did sleep. There was like three hours there. I guess it was like, well, not deep enough. So, um, you know, that's, that's, there's, there's tools out there and, um, there's ways that you can do it. And, you know, I can get my eye mask and, you know, put lavender on my pillow and all that kind of stuff. And I, I'm trying, man, it's, if you've got any secrets, I'm open or your audience, I mean, you've got a big following. So I'm sure there's, there's, comp- I know there's tons of companies out there that, uh, I, I know a couple of years ago at uh, New York city for the, they gave bed gear, gave a bunch of stuff to the elites and, I know like molecule sleep does stuff with some of the, the big time athletes. So I'm completely open to, uh, exploring like how to, how to do better on that, that aspect of my training, because it is, I mean, that's, that's supposedly where you get all your recovery and everything. And, um, you know, if I can recover even better, I'm all for it. But, um, so far it's, it's, I'm, I'm doing okay, but you, you can always improve. I think you need a mattress sponsorship. I see more and more professional <laughs> runners pairing up with mattress companies these dude, days. I'm, so if I'm anyone out there is listening to this podcast, get in touch with Michael Wardy and he'd love to sleep yeah. on your mattress. Maybe that's the magic yes. ticket. Maybe that is maybe that is what I'm missing or uh, or special sheets. Like I've talked to some people about, you know, special sheets that keep you cool or even um, I know some companies have like special sleepwear that um, is supposed to help uh, facilitate like recovery and sleep. And so like, I mean, it's so cool. It's such an untapped, uh, part of, uh, what we do. And, and, you know, as well as anyone, Mario, it's like this, um, 
sport that we're in, it's like, yeah, the running's part of it, but it's also a lifestyle. It's like you have to do a lot of things right to get where you want to go. And it's not just, okay, you go and do, you know, 10 by 1K on the track. Like, okay, that's part of it. But then what do you do after? How do you fuel for that? Like, how do you fuel after? Like, do you do a shakeout after? Do you uh, run hard the next day? Do you, uh, mix that with like a tempo run or a fast finish or, um, you know, is it all just easy runs or, um, so like, and, and then when you're not, you're not training, you're, you're recovering to be able to train again. And so like, it's, it's something like it doesn't stop just when you stop the running, like there's so much more to it than that, especially if you want to be at the high the highest level and you want to stay at that high level, like, cause people can come in and, and, and do well for a little while and kind of skip the small stuff. But if you want to continue to have excellence, I think you have to make it um, all about what you are doing and, and how you're doing it. Hey, morning shakeout listeners. It's that time in the show for me to thank the sponsor that makes this podcast possible. And this week it's Jaybird. I just love this company. I love what they're about. I'm a big fan of the products that they make. The Jaybird team is based in Park City, Utah. It's made up of serious athletes that are maniacally focused on building the best wireless headphones for athletes. Like many of you, I'm an avid podcast listener, and having a good pair of headphones is super important to me. And my go-to for a while now has been the Jaybird Run True Wireless Headphones. I just love these things. First and foremost, they're super comfortable. They stay in my ears. They hold a charge for a long time. And most importantly, they pump out incredible sound. Jaybird has just released an update to their true wireless line called the Run XT, which are now fully waterproof and sweatproof. So they hold up to your hardest workouts and even the most extreme weather conditions. They are freaking awesome. Right now, Morning Shakeout listeners, that is you, can receive 20% off a pair of the just-released Run XT True Wireless Headphones and also get free shipping through the end of March 2019. Just go to jbirdsport.com and use the code SHAKEOUT. That's all one word, all capital letters, when you check out to take advantage of this awesome offer. And they want me to tell you that offer can only be applied once per customer. All right, that's it for now. My thanks to Jaybird for their support of the Morning Shakeout podcast. Let's get back to the show. Well, since we're here, let's go down that road. A lot of those themes are present in a book that I've read and have given to a lot of my own athletes and friends called Peak Performance. And it talks about the importance of well sleep for recovery and why that's important. So maybe that's worth checking out. But the other big part of it for sustained peak performance is community. And I want to dig into that a little bit with you because watching the video of you finishing your 10th marathon there at Haynes Point, there was a big crowd of local runners there to support you and cheer you on. And you've mentioned your wife, Jennifer, and I know your two boys, Pierce and Grant, are very supportive of what you do and travel with you to a lot of races. So talk about the importance of that community, that type of support, and taking that a step further, how your family deals with your hectic schedule (laughs) and all these crazy pursuits that you're going after. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's a huge part of it. I mean, I think I'm, I'm completely, um, uh, lucky to, to have a supportive, uh, spouse and, uh, also like a work environment that supports like, uh, me wanting to, 
be able to go and, and kind of push the boundaries of, uh, you know, what's reasonable and, uh, what I'm capable of. And, uh, but then also like just the community, you know, you have the, I think it's pretty cool now. And you probably know, this is like, we, we have like our local community, right? So I have like the local running stores and the, the people that, uh, that I run with in local races and compete against it, but also train with. Um, so like I had a buddy, Dustin who came out for the last marathon and he ran he, randomly. He's like, Oh dude, I got to do a 20 miler. Uh, I'll he, come he out. He texted me after he ran the whole thing. Dustin and I have run a bunch of marathons together for his long run yeah, on a Sunday. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Saturday. Saturday. But yeah, yeah, but like, yeah, dude, he's like, oh, I'll come out for like 20 miles and then we're chatting him up and uh, we're, we're having a great time. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's at 23 miles and I'm like, dude, you don't have to stay. I can make it. He's like, dude, I'm going to stay now. Why would I drop off? I'm like, that's awesome, man. I just wanted to give you the option. You don't have like, because not just did, did he run it, like he busted the wind for me the entire time on Haynes Point, which is like, that's like a yeoman's effort. So like, um, just to kind of have people that are willing to, to, you know, incorporate their training into what you're doing to allow you to do something that, I mean, it, it wouldn't have been possible without him. There was the guy, Kevin, who came out and like did bike patrol, like, uh, Kelly on the lead bike. Like there were, um, tons of people that just came out and maybe only ran, my brother came out and he only ran like, I don't know, 3k with me, maybe like you know, less than two miles, but like he stopped by and said hi. And then, you know, there's people that just came out and like handed water. There were other people around the course that were just ringing cowbells. Like, um, but all that stuff matters. And, and what was cool is like, and and I've said this in a couple of interviews is like, it became much less about me, which was awesome. And more about like, you know, somebody was like, Oh dude, I saw you at this other race or, um, you know, I can come back tomorrow and I'll bring my friend or, uh, you know, I wanted to talk to you about Rosie, uh, and like how, you know, how she runs so fast or, um, you know, is it okay to, you know, run that far with her on trails or whatever. And like, then all these conversations pop up and like, you know, people start hanging out and, um, you know, we were had people from like our kids bus stop that came and just wanted to see what was going on. And then, um, you know, the manager of Costco that where we shop is like, Hey, I'm going to stop by too. Like, that sounds cool. And like, uh, everyone kind of got together and, and you kind of saw at the end, like it was, um, it, it was just this big party. And even John Legere for the CEO of T-Mobile stopped by and was like with, uh, he's in town to like give, um, uh, testimony to Congress between like the merger between them and uh, Sprint. And so like he made an effort to come out and uh, you know, it's just a mingling of like all these different uh, people around this event, but it became more about the people and less about like me. And I thought that was cool. It was kind of like when, I don't know if you saw like earlier this year, I did like the FKT on the CNO canal, like, um, it was, uh, 300 K ish, like, uh, 184, 85 miles and, uh, about 36 hours. And I broke a record from 1976. Um, but 
it was it was awesome. It was almost like the scene from like Forrest Gump where like this dude's running and then someone's like, oh, that looks pretty cool. And they kind of join in. And that's kind of what happened uh, during the CNO Canal. Like FKT is like, you know, little uh, aid station sprung up in the middle of nowhere. Like there was a, a mom and her kids at like one o'clock in the morning and like the backwoods of nowhereville and they jumped out and were like we've been waiting for like two hours to say hi and um and the closer i got to town the more and more people came out and uh but they all just became friends and they were like checking the the garmin link and being like he's coming oh no he's not coming like uh and it was it was cool because it created this whole thing and yeah i mean you could say it was like like i was the dude who was uh running but like it 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 stopped being about me and became more of an event on itself and and that's what i loved about what happened uh with the three marathons uh here in dc but also like with the seven marathons and seven days on seven continents the world marathon challenge like each of those uh, communities sprung up and helped us as a group. Uh, and, and then in turn, they became their own little community for a short time. And like some of those friendships will probably last, you know, forever. Like that, that's the kind of stuff where you're like, man, can you believe that happened? And then you'll go for a run and talk about it, you know, for years to come. And, um, I, I'm just glad that, that I was able to be a small little, small little part of it. Well, along those lines, you've told me in the past that you pursue a lot of these things to see what's possible for yourself. But I've seen you in, well, at, I should say, a bunch of different races, like pacing blind runners, just sort of helping out, giving back to the community in various capacities. Why is that important to you? Oh, man. I mean, I think that that's that's in addition to all the other stuff that you're doing, which takes up a lot of time, like these events themselves take up a lot of time. The travel takes up a lot of time. You know, it's a lot of time away from your family and and your home, but you still find that more time. I mean, well, you don't find more time. There's only so many hours in a day, but you, (laughs) you find a way to give it to other people, despite all the things that you're doing to see what's possible for yourself. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think what's, um, what's cool, uh, about those opportunities. Like, yeah, I mean, I've had, uh, the opportunity to kind of pace, uh, a guy named Chaz Davis. He's a super, super athlete. Like he's a visually impaired athlete and he's run like two thirty one for the marathon. Uh, and then I paced another guy, um, a double amputee, uh, Brian Reynolds, who's also like a world record holder for, um, for we, we actually paced, I paced him at the Chicago marathon with like three other guys. And, um, and those are like, and I've done like the blindfold challenge in, uh, Boston as part of like the Massachusetts Institute for the blind. It's a big fundraiser for them to raise awareness for visually impaired athletes. And, um, I think, I think like it's cool. I mean, you know, this too, Mario, like it's, it's pretty incredible that, that we, have like this kind of, um, fitness to be able to use and you can use it to do whatever you want. I mean, uh, and so like, I feel like it's kind of a gift that I have fitness that I can use and, and I can choose how I want to use that fitness. And, and if I can like, 
it's it's really really hard for someone like Chaz, who's like a two thirty one marathon runner, to find somebody that's fast enough to pace him, that's willing to sacrifice sacrifice like in air quotes their race, like that kind of time to help someone else. You know what I mean? Like if most of the people that are running that fast uh, are, are trying to run faster than that. Or, and, and they're, they've been training really hard to be able to, to do that and, and much mad respect for, for that. But it, it, it also like, it becomes hard to find someone that's willing to say like, Hey, I'm willing to, to help somebody else try to achieve their dreams, uh, while they're trying to achieve their own dreams. And so like, um, so I'm, I'm lucky in that I'm able to race a lot. Like, um, and have the support to be able to do that. Uh, whereas some people that maybe are that fast, like they only have, you know, a couple races in them a year and they're not able to maybe make that commitment to somebody else because they need to use that fitness for themselves. And so if I have that ability, uh, and I can use it to help someone, then, then I definitely will try. And so, um, I think that that's just part of being a, a good, Stuart to the sport and, and being respectful and like, um, people have helped me over the years. And if I can give back in any small way and, and kind of use what I can do, uh, I, I, I definitely want to. And, and if, um, you know, hopefully it's been cool to see because, uh, people have seen that and they've reached out to me and say like, Oh, I've always thought about guiding, but I'm not quite sure how, um, and I had thought about it too, cause I'd seen people like, uh, you may have seen like Scott Yurick's done it in the past and, uh, you know, you, you have the pace groups and I've always thought like, oh, that'd be really cool. And so, um, now that I've done it, I, I can, I know how, uh, impactful it can be. Um, so I would highly recommend it. And if anyone is interested in kind of pursuing, uh, you know, how to do that. Uh, I'm happy to kind of get them in touch with the right people. Um, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where it's so cliche, but, um, it's, it's better to give than receive kind of like, you know, silliest thing you hear at Christmas or whatever, but yeah, um, but I love that it's running as an act of service. Right. But it's, it's also like, it, it seems like you're doing something completely like, uh, selfless, but, uh, I'll tell you, it's probably one of the greatest feelings you can have, like helping someone achieve, uh, something that they're not sure they're capable of doing. And, and you, you get just as nervous for it as you do for your own race. I mean, you get probably even more nervous. It's probably like you and your athletes. Like I probably get so much more excited when I have an athlete like write me and say like, dude, I just set a PR. I just did a workout that I didn't think I could do. Then when I have that same experience myself, like it's unbelievable, like, because it doesn't seem like it could be true. Like, it seems like you're just saying it to sound like, I don't know, goody. I I don't know. Like it, it, it seems like you're just saying it to say it, but, um, but it, it's unbelievably true. And, um, I, I feel completely honored to have had the opportunity and I can't wait to do it again. Like, I I don't know when I'll have the opportunity and, uh, you kind of have to balance it with like your schedule and, and when the athletes need assistance, but there's always people looking for, uh, athletes to help. And, uh, and what's cool is like you, you may be a 
a three hour marathon runner and think like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm not fast enough to help. Or, uh, you may be like a 220 guy and be like, Oh, I'm way too fast. They're not going to need me. But, or uh, even a four hour or five hour person, like there's always someone that can use, like you can, you can be helpful in, in many different ways. And, um, there, there's lots of opportunities out there if you're open to it. So it's, it's pretty cool. We've only got a few more minutes left here and a couple oh, more yeah, questions. Dude, I'm that sorry. I'm, I'm such hit. a rambler, dude. I'm, I'm sorry. It's quite all right. You've got a lot of good stuff to <laughs> share, but you've done a lot. Uh, and that's putting it lightly. I mean, you've run two sub three hour marathons in different cities on the same day. I was at Leadville when you finished that race and then went down and did the Pikes Peak Marathon the next day. You have all <laughs> yeah. kinds of wacky world records. You've run 10 marathons in 10 days, averaging 255. Like, what of your running feats are you most proud of? Oh, man. It's, um, it's crazy. I have been, uh, I've been running since. I started running in 1996 just to qualify for Boston and uh, thought that that would be kind of the end of like I do Boston as a bucket list uh, thing. And I think I've done 17 or 18 now. And uh, I still think uh, one of the things that I'm most proud of is that first uh, marathon I ran at Marine Corps where I qualified for Boston uh, I needed to run sub three hours and 10 minutes. And I ran, I think three Oh six and I got my qualifier for Boston. And, um, it was just one of those things where I set a goal. I didn't know if it was possible. I didn't even know if I could run a marathon. Um, but I, I didn't set a, you know, I set a goal to finish obviously. And, and since then, and, you know, I've learned that you could probably set more than one goal because, uh, if your goal is like, oh, I just want to win the race or I want to set a course record or I want a PR and, and you know, that's not going to happen. It becomes very easy to kind of get disenfranchised with the effort. But, um, but having multiple goals usually goes a little bit better because you can fall back on something or push towards something. Um, but, I, I think qualifying for that first Boston, like really started this whole journey and everything from there, it's, it's kind of like a chicken and an egg type thing. If I never, if I never had that experience, like none of the other, you know, the gold medals at the world championships for the hundred K or bronze medals for 50 K world championships, or, uh, you know, a two seventeen forty nine personal best in the marathon or qualifying for three Olympic trials or, um, you know, being on the national teams or, um, getting to be a professional runner. Like, I mean, none of that stuff would have happened. So, um, you know, I'm dude, I'm so lucky. I'm unbelievably lucky to, um, to have found something that I love to do and, uh, have some small inkling of, uh, competence in, um, that I just want to keep honing it and, I'm always looking forward to the next thing. And so, um, I'm super proud of what I just accomplished, but you know, I have some, uh, a big goal to run across Israel coming up here. I'm going to try to set a FKT on the, uh, uh, Israeli national trail in March. It'll be like a thousand kilometers. And I'm going to try to do that in 10 days. And that'll be like kind of the next part of my journey. And then, uh, hopefully at some point I can try to run across the country. So I'd like to do like a transcon run and, um, Is that I think the ultimate like, for you, uh, it's the ultimate so far. Like, uh, you know, if, if that goes well, then, 
uh, I think it'd be cool to try to run across all the continents. And I have this huge uh, respect, but also like uh, absolute um, draw to Antarctica. Just having been there twice now, I never thought I'd get to go there once. And there's something really powerful about that place. Um, and it's it seems so barren and, and desolate and uh, surreal. It's, it's, it's just one of the most alien landscapes I've ever been on. Kind of like when I ran a marathon at the North pole, like, um, and it frightens me, uh, and it, but also like entices me at the same time. So like, uh, you know, I, I, I'd, I'd like to try to do something like big like that. Um, but you know, that's, you know, that's the kind of stuff where if you mess up, you, you know, it's got serious ramifications. It's not like, oh, you're at Forest Hill and things aren't going well. Like, you know, Craig, uh, I want to go home now. That's, uh, that's like, <laughs> that's like, uh, uh, I might not come back. So, um, you know, I need to probably get a little more skill and, uh, do a little bit more with, um, getting the right, uh, training in for it. But, you know, that's something I'd like to work towards and, you know, climbing some of the big mountains. Like my wife is amazing and she says yes to a lot of things, but, uh, climbing big mountains is something that I'm not allowed to do until the boys are 18. So I've got a couple of years until, uh, until that happens. But I've got a lot of, um, I got a lot of ambition and, uh, luckily I have a lot of support for a lot of great sponsors and, um, and a big community and, uh, lots of opportunities. And so I just, I, I mean, I can't thank everyone enough for, you know, having interest in what I'm doing and allowing me to do these things. There are very few, if any, and this is my last question, people who can do the things that you do from, I mean, a logistical standpoint alone, never mind at the level that you're doing them, but what can people take away from your approach to life and running? Well, I mean, that's a great question, Mario. That's why I was so stoked to be on your podcast. Cause it's always got like, so, uh, it's so insightful and, you know, it's, it's definitely, uh, uh, something that makes it, makes it a good listen. I think what, what I would hope that people, and, and this is something that, um, I hope that I can kind of, I, I convey in what I'm doing is like, I hope people can find joy in what they're doing. I hope people find things that are exciting. I hope people can uh, look at me and, and say like, dude, if that dude with a job and a family and, and, you know, 1.5 cars and like all the same things that, that I'm dealing with can get out and do something like maybe I can do something too. And, and maybe I can, I can set a big goal and maybe I can, uh, find something that excites me and, and motivates me and I'm passionate about and, uh, that I want to chase. And, and then I hope they go out and they do it. I mean, most of the time, the hardest part of anything is that first step or the first part of the journey, or is it even just accepting what you want to do or kind of narrowing it down? And, um, you know, it doesn't have to be 10 marathons in 10 days. It could be, you know, I want to run 10 days in a row, or I want to, I want to walk to the supermarket and, bring my groceries home that way, or I want to bike commute or run commute to work once a week, or, um, maybe try to get in the gym or, uh, or, 
I don't know. Maybe it is. You know, I wanted I want to beat his time of ten marathons in ten days. Like I, I, I don't care. Whatever it is, like I hope people find something that they want to do and uh, they see that that you know I've set these big goals and they they find something that excites them and they get out and they start that mo- momentum towards it and and they begin their journey. I think that's the perfect place to wrap this up. Always fun talking to you, Mike. Keep on keeping on, and I'm excited to see what you try and tackle next. Thanks a lot, Mario. I appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for uh, listening, and look forward to seeing you out there. All right, we did it. Another episode in the books. Thank you so much for tuning in. I've got a little ask of you. If you enjoyed the show, or even if you didn't, go to Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to audio on and leave a brief rating and a review. Only takes a few minutes, but helps other listeners to discover the show, and it really means a lot to me. Thank you so much to everyone who has done so already. Also, big thank you to Jaybird for sponsoring this episode. Like many of you, I'm an avid podcast listener, and having a good pair of headphones is super important to me. And my go-to for a while now has been the Jaybird Run True Wireless Headphones. I just love these things. They are super comfortable. They stay in my ears. They hold a charge for a long time. And most importantly, they pump out incredible sound. Jaybird's just released an update to their true wireless lines called the Run XT. These are now fully waterproof and sweatproof, so they will hold up to just about anything that you throw at them from your hardest workouts to the most extreme weather conditions. In short, they are freaking awesome. And right now, Morning Shakeout listeners, that is you can receive a 20% discount off a pair of the just-released Run XT True Wireless headphones and get free shipping through the end of March 2019. All you have to do is go to jbirdsport.com and use the code SHAKEOUT. That is all one word, all capital letters, when you check out to take advantage of this great offer. And they want me to tell you that offer can only be applied once per customer. One more quick round of thank yous before we wrap up here. Thank you to John Summerford from bearsrecords.com. He is the man behind the audio magic here at the morning shakeout. And this show sounds as good as it does because of him. Thank you, John. All right. That's all I've got for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Mario Fraley, and this has been the Morning Shakeout Podcast. 